Welcome back to Until It's Fixed, where we take an inside look at pressing topics in the healthcare industry, new approaches to care, and how to make the health system work better for all of us. I'm Stacy Dove. And I'm Callie Chamberlain. I can't believe that we're at the end of season two. The conversations we've had with our guests have been so enlightening, and we've really enjoyed sharing them with you. To round us out, today we'll be talking about what makes us healthy, also known as whole person care. That's right, Callie. According to a brief from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, as much as 80% of a person's health is determined outside of a medical office or hospital. And studies suggest our medical care determines only 20% of our health, which is very interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. It's interesting to hear you say that because it makes sense. And also, I would not have thought about it that way. Um, And we're going to get into that a little bit more with our guest today, who is Maria Menounos. I was on her podcast, Better Together with Maria Menounos, last fall. And we're excited to have her on our show now as well. We talked about what it means to be healthy and her own personal experiences. Let's listen in. Hi, Maria. I'm really looking forward to connecting again and having you on our final episode of the season. Thank you for being here. Let's start with some of your background and who you are. Sure. Um, Maria, obviously. I am from Medford, Massachusetts, born to Greek immigrant parents and uh, always dreamed about being in the entertainment industry. Started working at different places from Channel One News to Entertainment Tonight, The Today Show, Nightly News and kind of veered into health and wellness in a really kind of more direct way in the last five years based on, you know, uh, kind of necessity, I think, more than anything. Can you share with us a little bit about what that path looks like and what that road to health and wellness and your focus on that now looked like for you? Yeah, of course. So in 2016, late August 2016, my mom was diagnosed with glioblastoma, which is stage four brain cancer life gets turned upside down. I became her quarterback and her caretaker. And, you know, like I said, life kind of just changes in an instant. I went from hosting E! News and living a pretty busy life in a career sense to living a very full life trying to keep my mom alive. And I was searching for answers and I was searching for solutions. And it was a disease that I knew came with a very short time span, but that there were some rays of hope and there were some people who got to live longer and I wanted her to be in that category. And so at the time I was hosting uh, Sirius XM, I had a radio show there, and I was super interested in health and wellness and I was veering into that kind of spiritual space and health and wellness a little bit and then just kind of went full throttle. And then I launched this podcast as well because I knew I had access And um, I've spent, you know, two decades interviewing people and my work at the Today Show and even on the entertainment shows gave me a lot of access to the best of the best in all fields. And so I really dove in heads first trying to figure out what else could we be doing? How can we search for the cause, the root of this, and look at it in a 360 kind of way? And I made it my number one focus. And soon after I was diagnosed with my own brain tumor, which was like lightning striking per the top researcher in the world. And so then I had to deal with my own brain tumor. Mine was benign, luckily. And, you know, found myself in the same hospital, Cedar sinai having brain surgery by the same doctor, Dr. Keith Black. And went on 
a real kind of spiritual journey from there and and tried to kind of make sense of why this had happened. I knew it was happening for me, not to me. That was definitely a tool that I used, but I did make a lot of changes in this show, Better Together with Maria Menounos, really kind of kept me on track with that. And I had incredible exposure to people that brought different ways of thinking, different um, perspectives, different ideas. It's been and has become my greatest passion is to really share with people the importance of your health, that your health really is your wealth. You don't realize it till you're laid up in a hospital bed like I was thinking, where did I get to? When did I become this crazy workaholic? And when did I disregard my health and myself so much when this body is my vehicle that takes me to work? And I really focused on all of that and, and how much, you know, getting that message across to people is important so that they don't have to get to that place. We don't want everybody to get to the place where they're sick and it's, you know, the challenge is there. Let's start to do the little things now that can make, make your life better. So that's what we do here every single day. Every day we're focusing on the little things that can help us, whether it's emotionally dealing with, you know, childhood traumas and patterns and belief systems or actual physical health with incredible experts that will put things in our heads that will give us those aha moments and, and the clicking thing where you're like, oh, okay, that connects with me. I'm going to go do that. So we here every single day get the benefits of it. Every day we're like, okay, what are we sticking with? Okay, we've stuck with these things. This is really cool. Okay, well, maybe we'll add some new things in in the next coming weeks. How much better are we going to get? And I always say we're better together. You know, someone's going to bring something to the table that you weren't thinking of that's going to make you collectively better. So it's a long-winded way to say it. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that story. It's so powerful. And what I'm thinking about is, just the stress that we know caregivers have to hold when they're Mm -hmm. caring for other people in their lives. And then also for you to go on your own health journey. I'm wondering for you, how has your definition of healthy and being healthy evolved from before and, you know, to where you are now and the experiences that you've had since then? Great question. I think pretty quickly I identified that I had become a human doing, not a human being. And I realized that I needed to change completely. Like I just had a really just full stop rebuild and reassess, redefine success and kind of recreate my life so that it would support my health, not take my health. And so that's what I've been doing these last five years. I think that COVID has been an interesting thing for everybody because it was kind of like the collective brain tumor for everyone. I used to say, how do I get people to understand the epiphanies, let's say, that I had after surgery without them getting a brain tumor. And then COVID hit and I go, oh, this was the collective brain tumor. Mm. This is the moment where the entire world had to stop and face the facts that without your health, we're really challenged. And I, I have to say it very carefully because my mom still was able to live a very full life while her health was compromised. So it doesn't mean we're nothing without our health, but really we're very challenged without our health. And so Mm. um, I think it's been an interesting thing for people. And I think that's why people are reevaluating how they want to live their lives and how they want to work and how much they want to work. I think that's an important distinction and a really good comparison is the collective brain tumor and the pausing that we are needing to go through. As you have thought about 
COVID and your own health experiences, what has been sort of a guiding light for you or things that have really helped ground you throughout those experiences? Uh, A lot of tools and a lot of training. I was really grateful. And one of the things that I share on the show every day is start to do the work now before life hits. Life's going to hit. As Rocky said, life isn't all sunshine and rainbows. It just isn't. Life is going to hit. And it really is, as he says, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. I think the tools really helped me through and then continuing to you know, search for more. And that's, like I said, why I love what I get to do every single day, because every day it's about getting better. And every day it's about adding one little new tool to my toolbox. And so not only just for me, but for the people I engage with, because then we're like the little, you know, the dominoes that start to, to spread to everybody else. And so we're sharing it with everybody individually. And then obviously, you know, collectively. I love that. When you think about whole person health, how do you think about that for yourself? And what advice would you give to our listeners? Sometimes you also have to rely on your inner intuition and your inner guidance. I sought out other ways, looking at it in a 360 way, emotional, spiritual, physical, um, every kind of aspect of it, because I do believe that the emotional component is a really big part of this. In fact, whenever I talk to people, the last thing I'll go to on the list is, what's the emotional component we haven't dealt with here? And that's when they gasp and they're like, how did you know? And I'm like, well, it's pretty clear to me now after all this time that there have been inciting incidents in your life emotionally that you've either bottled up, not dealt with, stuffed under the bed, that now you need to deal with in order to heal and hopefully get past this you have to now add in the other things you have to make the changes in your life your health your your diet your emotional diet everything what it's making me think about is i worked with a researcher in la who was telling me he was doing his medical rotations and then decided to focus on psychiatry because he was saying almost all of the autoimmune disorders that he was diagnosing people with they had like four or Um, five really major life events over a span of three to five years that they didn't have emotional support around. And so their body was starting to attack themselves. And he was saying, there's something medically here and I want to study that. And I want to make sure that people do have those emotional supports to prevent things that manifest in their physical body. So I love that you're talking about that mind-body connection and Mm -hmm. advocacy and saying, these are pieces of a puzzle and how do I put that all together? Yes. Pieces of the puzzle, what a great way to put it. By the way, my doctors are incredible. I could not have done anything without them, but they're collaborators in my mind and we collaborated together. And that's that's like a recipe for success. Keep going, sorry, I just got so excited. Pieces of the puzzle. No, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that's what I was thinking as you were speaking. It's like, oh my gosh, that totally makes sense. This is how we're putting it together. And I'm wondering from your perspective too, you know, in caring for your mother, what are your thoughts on how that care is provided for people who are aging or sick? And where do you see that there could be opportunities for us to improve and bring some more of what you're talking about into how care is provided? Okay, well, here we go. I have some statistics on caregiving that are so shocking. This was from Time Magazine last year. Of the 43 million unpaid caregivers in America, 
a number poised to spike as the baby boomers who comprise most of the family caregivers now join the ranks of the oldest old family caregivers make up a silent support army without them health and social systems within our societies would be absolutely overwhelmed okay so there was a survey of unpaid caregivers in 2017 that found nearly half of family caregivers suffer from depression 45 percent didn't have time to book or attend their own medical appointments as a result of their caregiving activities which makes a lot of sense and a stanford study in 2002 found that 40 percent of alzheimer's and dementia caregivers actually die before the patient they're taking care of so caregiving needs our attention in such a big way and we need to be paying for people to take care of their family member at home because most people don't want to be cared for anywhere else and we need to give them the support that they need. And that sounds like an area that you, you know, are really interested in and kind of honing mm-hmm. in on. What are some of the other conversations going on in the public sphere as it relates to health that are some of your favorites or things that you're kind of tracking? I think just what you were talking about with that doctor that went and studied psychology, I think really we aren't paying attention enough to the patterns that are leading people to the ultimate illness. And I think right now we're just putting band-aids on things. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we have to address is that there is a little bit more to this and we need to get to the root cause of it. I think that if we could integrate a little bit more, it would be really helpful. You know, one of the things that I'm also sort of picking up on from your stories is just your emotional, spiritual resilience from navigating all of these spaces. And so how do you think about, you know, booing yourself in the midst of caretaking for yourself and other people and kind of making it through that progress and feeling like you're supported? What does that look like for you? Uh, I think that's a really, really hard one. It's really, really hard to be a caretaker. My heart bleeds for people who are in those positions. And I found myself so many times wanting to just like run and like take over and help someone and give them a break. Like, I, we do a lot here to t- try to teach people, you know, how to reach out to someone when someone's passed, because um, a lot of people don't know how to do that, but also how to be there for someone when they are dealing with something like this, right? I always say, just show up and give them a break. Just sit and read with, you know, read next to the person, you know, who's, you know, can't be alone, because most of the times you can't leave your patient alone. So give the person a break, tell them to go get their nails done or go have dinner or take them to dinner and and figure out someone to to sit with the patient like you need to just help give them escapes it's not a one-man job and i see so many people having to do it alone i love that the communal support and just having your people and yeah Mm -hmm. i think that's so important and something that can sometimes be lost in the midst of what feels like a very individual fight and it you Mm -hmm. know it can be both and both is important so if we zoom out a little bit where do you think is most important for people who are listening to this? What is it important for them to be thinking about? Or where do you think it's most important that they start to focus? Well, I think just letting people know that there are other ways to attack health issues than just the conventional ways. We need our doctors, we need our nurses, we need our Western medical care, we do. But there are ways to support that. There's ways to um, complement it. And so I think it's more than just green juices and more than just supplements. There's a 360 way to really attack this, whatever this is, it's going to be so hard. And if you have a friend who's really good at it, maybe you enlist their help, but you're going to need help and you're going to need 
support. On the medical side, I think um, that's where a lot of patience needs to be involved because I know the traditional way of people thinking like, I'm going to go in, I'm going to tell them what I want to do. And I've done all this research. And so I would watch a certain member of my family go at the doctors and say, you know, I heard this and I looked up this and, oh, it was in the newspaper today. And they just don't know that these are things that are just like just starting to be researched. They're not available. They're not solutions, but like, you know, the headline grabs them and and I would just watch my doctors be so patient and so incredible and just letting them say it. Unfortunately, people don't know how to own their power properly and how to communicate it properly in those sensitive moments. So doctors and, and unfortunately nurses have to also deal with all of that that's coming at them. But I think it's, you know, the honesty that, you know, Dr. Funk had when she was here is like, listen, you're going to have to be active in your own care. And so I'll support you in any way I can. And so I think for doctors to understand that we're just desperate and our person means everything to us and that they have to also just understand that they're not all knowing either and that a collaboration is always going to be better because we're better together. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that and sharing your reflections. I think the middle way that you're talking about finding ways to collaborate, finding ways to be supported, finding ways to advocate for yourself and learn more. I think those things are really important messages for our audience. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your personal experience, sharing your journey, your insights. And definitely if you're listening and you have not checked out Better Together, please do that. Um, we are going to wrap with the lightning round, which is a series of questions that I'll ask you and we'll get some quick responses from you. How does that sound? Sounds good. So first question is, what drives your passion for what you do? My curiosity. Who is someone who's inspired you or had the biggest impact on who you are today? My mom. What is giving you hope right now? I mean, me personally, what's giving me hope is that I can choose what I get to focus on and I will focus mm -hmm. on the good that is out there in the world and that there's more of that than anything else. Yeah, I love that. And finally, what is something that you're currently rethinking or reconsidering? everything, <laughs> where I'm going to live, what I'm going to do. Um, am I going to blow up my whole life and just go live in a teeny village in Italy? I don't know. Maybe. Wait, I actually love that for you. I know. Me too. Me too. <laughs> you know what? It's, um, it's like one of those things where you have to balance your kind of balance the one side with, okay, what would I really be happy? <laughs> like I'd be happy yeah. in one sense, but in another, am I going to be missing something? So I think we're all living in that time of uncertainty and everything yeah. is just so strange and yeah. it's a very difficult time. And so I feel like I'm being, I'm open to anything that's going to come, any shifts that are going to come, any things that are going to take me in different directions. Yeah. That really resonates with me too. <laughs> and what I was thinking about as you were saying that is I think the importance of rest and rejuvenation mm -hmm. has been such an important dimension of this pandemic and something mm -hmm. a lot more people are focused on. And so when you said that, I was just thinking there has got to be so much trauma that is associated with the medical experiences that you've had with the experiences with COVID personally, mm -hmm. just the different journey that you've been on. And so when you said Italy, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds like a great place to just step back yeah. and like let go and rest and have that time to heal yeah 
I think uh, it's funny. I was, I saw my mom's oncologist the other day at Cedars and I was so emotional. I was like a wreck and I'm not like that normally. And he's like, Maria, he's like, it's PTSD. He's mm. like, think about it. What you went through with your mom. Yeah. And when you're going through it, you don't have a lot of time to feel it. And so I think there's there's a lot to process. There's a lot of exhaustion that comes with grief and the different stages of it. Yeah, I think that what you're talking about, that grieving process is also really important because it can mm-hmm. feel like a very isolating experience for people. And, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a part of life. And just thinking about my training as a death doula, it's like, we how do we bring the conversation about grieving and transition into the public sphere? Because most people are really scared to talk about it because it mm-hmm. is a scary thing, right? Is to die, to think about dying, to think about getting ill. And then what is like the preparation essentially for those experiences if they're happening? If you're already not talking about loss, you're already really uncomfortable with dying, then it's even harder once you're in it to have Mm -hmm. to do that education, lay the groundwork, and then also experiences at the same time. So, wow. Fascinating. That just opened up my mind. I need to think about that a little bit more. Yeah. But Um, just like you said, having to, it's the prep work before, which makes it seem like life is just like an endless school, but it is. The truth is, the more we incorporate these things into our lives before the time is necessary, like before life hits, you know, starting to talk about death, starting to talk about your feelings around it, starting to get okay with the fact that it's going to happen, everybody, inevitably. So you can start to make the changes now and make them when you don't have to. Like, for example, when I saw my A1C levels peaking, I'm like, yeah, I don't want someone to tell me I can't eat sugar anymore. I'm going to tell me I can't eat sugar so that I never have to really do it. So when I do go to Italy, I can have a gelato because I really can, but I'm going to do things now so I don't have to do with it later. So it's all these little things, you know, that you have to just constantly be working on so that you have an easier time dealing with it when it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Or before it happens or so it never happens. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Kelly, you're amazing. Perfect <laughs> note to end on. Thank you so much for being here, Maria. I, as always, I feel like I could talk to you forever. So this is great. Same. And I really appreciate the wide ranging conversation. Kelly, I love that conversation that you just had with Maria. You know, it's just such a different way to think about our health. It's interesting how it seems like the mind shift is changing from health being more about, you know, going to the doctor when you're sick. And it's more about like, what can we do now to proactively take care of ourselves to prevent disease and other chronic conditions? Um, And it's just thinking differently about it, don't you think? Yeah, I completely agree. And I loved the point that we also brought up to support that part of the conversation, which is recognizing that we're not in it by ourselves, right? We have people like caregivers, we have our communities, and recognizing how important and integral those things are in holistic health and healing. So I specifically like that term because I think it recognizes that individually we are capable of managing so much and also the conditions of our environment, the people around us, and our ability to be well is dependent on our surroundings. And so making sure that we can have this holistic view of how we think about health is super important when we also think about the individual. Yeah, that's right. And I think our health is just so multifaceted. Traditionally, the focus has been on physical health. And so the good thing is that now there's more conversation and attention being given to the impact your mental health has on your physical health. 
there's just so much more we could talk about, you know, making work better for everyone to address all dimensions of our health. So I think the first step is recognizing it goes beyond the physical well-being, right? And then taking care of it goes beyond our annual wellness exam with our doctors as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, thank you so much for joining us this season. We're going to be off the air for a while as we start working on season three. But be sure to subscribe so you get notified when we're back. In the meantime, let's keep working together to be healthy and get our healthcare to work better for everyone. This is Until It's Fixed, a healthcare innovation podcast from Optum. I'm Stacey Dove. And I'm Callie Chamberlain. Thanks for listening.